Welcome to our Cross Country Healthcare Monthly Podcast. I'm Gerald Perge, your host and Chief Marketing Officer here at Cross Country. This podcast is offered to help the leaders of healthcare systems have a pulse and stay up to date on the latest solutions, tools, and resources available that enable you to continue to provide exceptional patient care. Our business offers a market-leading workforce, tech-enabled digital platform, staffing and recruitment solutions, and we have 36 years of industry experience. In today's podcast, we'll continue our conversation on interim leadership with Chrissy Burke, the Vice President of Relationship Development at Higher Up, and our two experienced interim leaders, Georgette and Andy. Welcome back to you all. Chrissy, you've been placing healthcare leaders in both interim leadership roles and in permanent executive search opportunities for over a decade now. What are you seeing out there And are there some creative solutions hospitals are using to recruit and retain leaders? Thank you so much, Gerald. It's really good to be here. We appreciate the invitation. Um, These last few years have been tough and there's been an awful lot of transience in the market as a result. And I know we're all seeing that. People are making career decisions to step into something new, to move closer to family or step up and make a greater impact somewhere else. what we're finding is they're creating some holes in succession plans and they're forcing executive teams to really look at what the organization's needs are and to make some changes. So when organizations have an unexpected vacancy, are looking to create some efficiency in roles or if they need to support someone by mentoring them up from the organization, interim leaders are a great solution. So, um, I don't want you to take my word for it, though, Gerald, I've invited two of my interim leader friends, as you've noted, um, that are going to be able to help us understand a little bit better. So Georgette has been a leader for over 20 years and thrives on supporting staff through organizational bumps. And I think that's a nice way of saying it. She looks, listens, and learns before taking action and has had such positive results, often training her replacement. And I will also say she is very often offered positions for her interim roles as well, which is um, a real feather in her cap. Andy has been a leader for 15 years, and he does his best work when he can roll up his sleeves, listen to the team, adjust priorities where needed, assess the talent inside the organization, and really just marshal everyone forward in the same direction. He loves leadership because it can be a really strong motivator. So I'm really excited to share my friends with you and the group today, Gerald. Thanks for the context and your point of view, Chrissy. You've certainly been in the eye of the storm. And again, thank you, Georgette and Andy, for joining us today. There's been so much talk about care re-engineering and innovation around healthcare. And of course, technology is also top of mind as an accelerator towards generating efficiencies and improving productivity. Georgette, what do you see how technology is making strides and ultimately supporting better patient care? And what do you think we should be mindful of as it becomes more integrated into daily, even hourly patient care. Um, so Gerald, it might be a little bit of a mixed bag. It's, it's a blessing and, and, and it can also be a cautionary tale in the same, in the same breath. Um, I did a little bit of my graduate work actually on this topic. Um, so the technology is designed to be a tool um, to be used um, along with critical human thinking, critical professional 
assessment and not as a substitute for the relationship, the um, ability to take data and analyze it and assess. So there, there's so much out there, it, it can make your head spin. So it's anything simple, acuity tool that's intuitive, um, that picks up that information um, with the documentation and the EMR. Um, I, we use the technology for quality reporting because of all the smart pumps, smart technology that's out there, barcode scanning. Um, there's a lot of software. Um, you can do remote monitoring now, which is which is very helpful. Um, and then there redundance, there's a redundancy in healthcare, which is really helpful um, as a double check. Um, there are programs across the country, and um, hopefully one day I'll be affiliated with one that's looking in remote nursing. Um, I know that um, there are some systems that are looking at actually the nurses at the bedside having less um, frequent documentation concerns and needs, and that it's the remote nurse that is actually doing that, and they're setting up um, a, like a collaboration. But um, in all honesty, um, you have to be careful with how you use technology. And I think that that's where we still have some opportunities in healthcare because the opportunities may seem endless, but the further away you take a nursing professional away from the relationship-based care, um, the, it seems the more dissatisfied patients become and more detached from the importance of um, maintaining um, positive health behaviors or, or improving in, in their, um, their wellness. So nothing really does replace that connectivity that a nurse can bring. Um, but hopefully what we will do is create more intuitive, um, um, technology that will enhance the work that we do as opposed to try to force function everything, if you will. Um, that takes a lot of decision-making out of care. You really make some extremely important points, Georgia, and it re reminds me of airline pilots, actually. They have an incredible technology at their fingertips that help them navigate bumpy air, weather, and any other potential emergencies that may come their way. But all of that technology's got to be blended with leadership skills and clear critical thinking at a moment's notice by the pilot. Similarly, all bedside staff have incredible observational skills that need to be nurtured and developed. And speaking of observational skills, your perspective at a high level is fascinating. Andy, as an interim leader, what value do you bring to an organization? So yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky, dare I say blessed. Uh, I have worked with several of, I'll say, certainly in the, the top 25 in the, in the country, um, I've worked with some individuals that have transitioned from the uh, sort of the uh, computer world into the healthcare arena at, at a very high level. And they've had a lot of um, connections to the technology world. Uh, so it's interesting to hear Georgette's thoughts. And I don't disagree with any of them. I think we are probably on the precipice of a whole new generation of some technology, uh, including AI. Um, we've barely scraped the surface of AI, quite honestly. And I've worked with some technology recently in the last six months at an organization where we were 
just in the conversations um, because we have to sort of figure out new ways to not lose touch with the patient, not give them less care, not adversely affect patient safety, but supplement our overarching care um, by, by way of manpower. And some of this AI is very, very helpful in, in helping out the, the staffing challenges from a, um, a ancillary support methodology. Um, I, I, like I said, I've been very lucky in that I've worked in some, you know, some very large, uh, you know, top tier organizations. Uh, and, you know, I do stay in touch with a lot of people over the course of time. And it's always, always, always important to kind of keep those communication channels open because you never know who's going to know what and who's going to be able to offer what. And, um, you know, look, evidence-based research is, is just that. It's just constantly ongoing, constantly improving, constantly developing. And um, it's been very, very interesting traveling the countryside, if you will, um, and I, I sort of joke, and I think Christy's heard me say this before. I, I have said this for many years. Healthcare is no more than two degrees of separation. Um, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, the, the connection points, and I now have a new connection point to, you know, to, um, to Georgette uh, and Gerald to you. And, and you know, these, these connection points are, are paramount to success um, at the bedside. Um, so again, you know, kind of goes with relationship building uh, and just kind of keeping your, your, your connections open everywhere. Um, and then weaving in some of this technology. I'm a huge fan of technology, but we just have to be careful, as Georgette said, that we don't take away from the quality of care at the bedside, that we're not replacing, um, you know, that the family and the patient is not we're not, you know, we're putting a, a robot or a computer in there for six solid hours. We simply want to enhance um, the experience and the safety and the quality. Um, there's, there's this countless products that I'm thinking of right now um, that obviously I'm not gonna go into, but all of these concepts can help with patient safety, with patient experience, with um, quality and safety outcomes. Uh, absolutely in, enhances um, staff engagement, staff outcomes, because they realize that the systems are putting in the infrastructure to support them. And again, that kind of speaks to some of the challenges and the nuances and the changes that come with the, um, all the hiring difficulty, you know, post, post pandemic. Great and point, Sam. I agree with you, Andy, I'm sorry to interrupt. I actually think it's a generational um, conversation as well. I think this is going to, I think technology and AI is going to be fully accepted um, by our younger generations. Um, I think it's a lot to grasp sometimes for our older adult populations. Um, they've seen a lot of change. I think that transition will be, will be much easier as the years, um, as the years go on and we incorporate more tools into our workplace as well. Yeah, I mean, really good points, Andy and Georgette. Um, you know, it's a great segue into a question I was gonna ask you is what would you say is the strength and value that interim leadership brings to an organization? 
Um, I think a lot of what Andy had mentioned previously, it really has to do with um, networking, previous leadership experience, and and really taking in all the, um, you know, the landscape from different organizations, different people, different experiences, and being open to that. Um, I think it makes, um, I think there's a strong case for using any kind of training that you've had from previous organizations, whether it be um, performance improvement or lean training and incorporating those ideas um, that are successful um, and introducing those to new organizations um, to to implement rapid improvement, um, different workflows um, and to establish um, ongoing relationships that will continue for many, many years. I think that that's, that's very important. And one example I can give you is um, just utilizing um, my training and performance improvement in a very large um, organization on the West Coast to, um, to really model and implement um, change in triage workflows in an emergency department um, and how that rapidly changed um, throughput times and um, door to triage and door to treatment times and patient satisfaction. And, um, it, you know, some of those improvements and those workflows and processes actually have um, additional downstream positive effects. So I think, I think that really is important in the work that we do day to day and in interims do bring that to the table. I mean, really great stories and um, optimistic, um, you know, just underscores the connection between the nurse and the patient as it continues to be extremely strong and, and really critical. Andy, this work is difficult, but very rewarding. Is there an experience where you witness creativity in yourself or a coworker or a leader? Yeah, Gerald, there's actually a couple of, um, a couple of thoughts that come to mind with that with that question. Um, one is a little bit more recent, uh, and I'm going to refer back to the AI that we spoke about. Uh, we were struggling. This was um, an organization in the Midwest. We were struggling um, with our ancillary help. We were struggling with a lot of patients that had um, uh, predominantly because of neurological deficits. We were struggling with. Um, we didn't have the manpower to put uh, what everyone refers to sitters or one-to-ones or patient safety uh, technicians, uh, whatever the terminology is that you know, the organization uses. And so we started, to, um, we started to jump into conversations with an AI company. Um, and it was a very, um, I like to use the word slick because it, it feels very AI to me, but it was a very slick piece of technology that um, did not invade the privacy because it, it uses, you know, a, a um, if you looked at it with the naked eye, it's sort of, it, it's very kind of blurry. So it's not like recording you. So it's not, in, it's not invasive. And um, it's technology that can basically um, help enhance the, the staffing um, while at the same time, keep the patients safe. Uh, we, we did not go deep into the project, but I, I know that it, it continued to be ongoing as far as looking at it and 
kind of getting it getting it uh, implemented. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm very optimistic that something like that type of technology is going to be a huge game changer. Um, uh, you know, and while it may not be this particular product, just the concept in and by itself, I think is going to be a huge game changer to help supplement the staff while at the same time, like I've mentioned earlier, keep the patients safe. Uh, another uh, project that kind of comes to mind from a uh, technology standpoint, also a safety standpoint and a throughput standpoint, um, is a reduction in telemetry. Um, we all know that organizations uh, struggle with uh, overuse of telemetry. Um, I've been involved now in two major system-wide initiatives uh, for a variety of reasons why they want to reduce the, um, the, the telemetry. Um, for me, it is, a, it, it is predominantly uh, all evidence-based driven. It's the white noise. It is um, increasing patient safety. Um, if, we can, if we can right size, uh, and, uh, and I'm very careful when I, when I say this, it's not about eliminating telemetry, it's right sizing who needs to be on telemetry and for what length of time. Um, there's evidence out there. Uh, you know, if, if anybody wants it, I, I, I have probably every file anyone ever needs um, in a thumb drive. Um, but it, it, it is a, you know, we've been very successful in two organizations. We've had a 40 plus percent reduction in telemetry and 80 percent reduction in telemetry with no adverse outcomes. But what that does is that's a game changer. So it helps improve throughput. It helps improve patient safety. It helps improve satisfaction. It gives time back to staff because, you know, if, if they have five patients on telemetry versus two patients on telemetry, their workflow is different. You know, the, the amount of time they have is different. The nursing assistants, you know, who might be helping out with putting people back on leads constantly. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that are beneficial to that. It also in, um, it, uh, improves your length of stay. Um, again, you know, all without adverse, adverse outcomes. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's definitely a lot of opportunity um, out there. And uh, again, the cool thing about you know, kind of going from organization to organization is you get to bring this, you know, these these fun facts with you. Um, and I just love being able to share that that um, those pieces of information with different organizations that may struggle with something that you know I've been lucky enough to be involved in or have heard about. Yeah, thanks, Andy, for sharing your expertise. Uh, Georgette, over to you. How do you make a difference every day? Can you share a story with us where you made it an impact? Yeah, um, it can actually be something really simple. Um, and it goes back to the relationship, establishing relationships when you when you enter into an organization as an interim. You know, um, there seems to be a trend. And many times I've entered um, into the position um, of a leader, and it requires immediately establishing some measure of psychological safety in the workplace. Um, oftentimes, I, I arrive and there's either been a, an absence of leadership or significant change in leadership or some sort of um, um, historical trend that has occurred where they want, um, they meaning senior leadership wants a culture shift. And so um, the ability to walk in and do that requires um, some sort of measure of positive positivity. Um, and it can actually um, um, 
really turn a department or an organization around in terms of how it perceives leadership and the possibility for change and future change. And it significantly can minimize or reduce the fear that goes with um, um, a very busy workplace, especially in the emergency setting. So um, one of the nicest compliments I've ever received um, as an interim anyway, were from several nurses who approached me um, when I was almost completed um, with my assignment and they sat me down and they thanked me for showing them what leadership was. And they said they had never experienced that before. And now they have a different standard for what they want in a leader. Um, Fortunately, we were able to, um, through peer interviewing as well, select their next leader who's who's in that position to this day. And, and that's a minor success story, but I think the difference that we make on a day-to-day basis in somebody's life and we impact them personally makes makes a huge difference. Georgette, you, this is Andy. You say that's a minor um, success story. Um, I can't even imagine how many employees are part of that department. So that success story is a lot larger than you're probably giving yourself credit for which just kind of speaks to your humility. So, uh, you know, thank you for being you. Oh, thanks. Wow. I mean, really inspiring. Um, So Andy and Georgette, in the few minutes we have, I'd like to ask for your advice. What do each of you do for yourselves to stay positive and to be the strong leaders you are? Georgette, ladies first. Oh, thanks, Andy. This is pretty simple too. It really has to do with maintaining strong relationships outside the workplace for me, Um, as well as inside the workplace. But you have to have um, a time where you can um, disconnect a little bit. So um, I personally have strong family and friends outside the workplace, but also um, as I've gotten older and hopefully more wiser, I I really start each day with sort of a mental daily affirmation um, where I actually um, tell myself that I expect a measure of resilience in the workplace that day. So like change is okay. Um, And it's often good. It's not always, it's not always good, but it's often good. And when it isn't, it isn't what we want it to be. um, We can actually walk away from that learning something new um, and and in, in, in the end, things tend to um, be a, appropriate. You learn what you need to learn. You um, and then you and then you move on. And then you become a better professional. You become a better human being. Whatever. Um, and then the other thing is, is I tr- try to start my conversations. Um, I don't know. I'm not always successful, but most days I try to start a conversation by thanking somebody and letting them know how much I appreciate their support. Um, And I think that that actually is a mindset that puts you in the right frame of mind, Um, even during those frustrating days that we all have, um, and there are a lot of them, um, but the moments that where you have that doubt and frustration become fewer and fewer. So that's really how I maintain my sense of self and um, to try to be the best leader I can be. Georgette, I think please and thank you go well beyond measures that we could ever imagine, um, especially in the last few years. I, um, I 
completely agree with what you're saying. Gerald, for, for me, it's, um, I guess it's a little bit more simple. Uh, I love the complexity of, of Georgette's answer, but um, for, for me, uh, I'm lucky that I have a wife who is also in the same business as it were. She's an RN for a very long time and she understands. And because of that, we can sort of bounce thoughts, ideas, frustrations off of one another. Um, so we balance each other wonderfully. Um, she understands that I travel and um, it's awesome. And uh, I live in a wonderfully sunny, warm place. Uh, so it's kind of nice when I get to go and quite literally recharge with the sun's energy. Um, thankfully, because of technology, I get to see the kids and the grandkids by FaceTime, um, you know, as often as I'd like, never um, as much in person as, as possible. But, um, and, I, and I just kind of tend to be a naturally positive person. I'm, I think I'm just lucky that way. Um, I've had a, I guess it's kind of become a routine that for, oh gosh, probably 20 years when someone asks me how I am, my response has always been, um, quote unquote, perfect. And they always challenge me on that. And um, it's a state of mind. So like Georgette said, um, I think if I say perfect, then that's it. I'm, I'm going to try and raise my own bar and I'm going to try and maintain happiness um, as often and as long as I can. People have, I've been um, challenged with, you know, you don't have a, uh, you're not a glass half full kind of person. There's a drop of water missing from your, from your glass. Um, I, I tend to be very, very uh, optimistic and, and, and I'm just lucky that way. It's Georgette, that comes across in how you um, speak and the tone of voice that you use. And there is a huge benefit in the approach that you use as a leader um, through your ability to have that conversation and just to walk the walk, so to speak. I really am appreciative of seeing that in other leaders because that's it's, it's your type of leadership that um, I also aspire um, to be. So, and I, I can't imagine that that wouldn't be a strong influence um, around anybody who, who you come in contact with leadership, as a leader or otherwise. So that's, that's, a, that's a lot. And that isn't, that isn't more simple. That is actually, um, it's not a natural thing to do. So some of us have to practice it more. So that's awesome. I think I'm impressed. Thank you. This is why relationships matter. This is why we love what we do. Matching people like you that have such incredible gifts and strengths with organizations that just need you for a little bit of time. So I just couldn't be more proud to be associated with you. And I, I personally want to thank you all for being here and for um, sharing with us today. Yeah. In closing, outstanding listeners. Thanks for joining Cross Country Healthcare today. We'll talk again soon. In the meantime, if you have questions for us, you can always reach us at crosscountry.com.